Also during Holy Week, Jesus told another parable. He told a lot of parables during Holy Week. And his parables during Holy Week, as we already started to hear last time, start to get, like, kind of hardcore. That was where he had the one where there were the wicked tenants who killed the son of the master. And then at the end, the master came and killed them and burned their city, burned their vineyard. Or he said something like that. Anyway, that's because he is challenging the people who are opposing him and who don't believe in him. And he is calling them to repentance. And he's also showing that he knows about their wickedness. The next parable he tells is similar in some ways to one we've heard before. It's a parable about a wedding feast. So Jesus said the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Many of Jesus' parables, you might have noticed, have to do with feasts, parties. Yes, very, very common theme. And the party is basically always referring to heaven. The wedding feast of the son. That's Jesus. Heaven is referred to as the marriage feast of the lamb. The Bible talks about Jesus being the, the groom. That's like the husband in a wedding. And the church is being his bride. And it's this big party that never ends. All right. So the king has been planning this wedding feast for a long time. Now, whenever, usually when you have uh, friends who invite you to a wedding, right, you want to go. Sometimes... We, well, we get wedding invites that we don't go to sometimes, but that's usually because we're busy or sometimes it's because we don't really know those people very much. We have other stuff going on. But in Jesus' day, we already talked about this a little bit. Most people didn't have anything else going on. So if you got invited to a wedding, uh, you were going to go because it was fun. And you didn't get to do all that many fun things. But even more so, this is a king who is throwing a wedding feast. And that means... A, it's going to be the best party because he's the king and it's going to be like the best food and the best wine and the best entertainment. And B, if you get invited by the king to the wedding feast of his son, that's a pretty big honor. You should want to go, right? He's been planning this for a while and he sent out invites beforehand. And the time comes when he sends out his messengers to invite those who had been, to call those who had been invited. So they go around and they tell them, it's time, everything's ready. But they didn't want to come. So he sent more servants saying, look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. He, there's going to be steak at this party. It's going to be a steak buffet. Okay. But they don't want to come. They paid no attention. And they went away, one to his farm, another to his business. Think about, like, earlier when Jesus told a similar story, it was, it, was, it was like that, too. They're like, one guy's like, I got to go look at a field I just bought. I got to go right? my oxen. I got to go, go, go check out my oxen, right? <laughs> These guys are like, I got to go work. What? I got to go look at my wife. Yeah, well, yeah, that one we were like, why don't you just bring her to the feast? He's like, I just married a wife. Well, go, go bring her along. All right, this is very similar. So, but others of them, right? Some of them, this, here we have an added element. So far, it's very similar to the other story, but this is different. Some of them did that, paid no attention, went off, did other things. But the rest of them seized his servants, 
treated them shamefully and killed them. That's similar to the last parable about the wicked tenants. And that's because Jesus is condemning those who opposed him for the fact that they were going to kill him and they were later going to kill his apostles. And during Holy Week, he often pointed out to them that if, if that was their response to him, then they were just like those who had come before them who had murdered the Lord's prophets. People like Ahab, King Ahab, who was one of their forefathers, even if he wasn't literally one of their forefathers, right? He was one of the people of Israel before them who had murdered the Lord's prophets. And so Jesus was saying, look, if you oppose the Lord's prophets and you want to get rid of them and you want to ignore them, you're the same as anyone who has murdered the Lord's prophets. You're being just like them. So the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. He wasn't waiting around this time. He was like, you're going to kill the servants who I sent to invite you to a party? That's your response to getting invited to a party? So he sent his troops and destroyed them. So then he said he has a problem. He says to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Why weren't they worthy? They didn't want to come. That was all, that was all he wanted, right? He, the only thing that he wanted from the people that he invited was for them to want to come to his party. What's so hard about that? He's like, just come to my party. It's going to be great. So, the king still wants people to come to his party. Like, the whole time, all the king wants is people to come to his party. So, he sends his servants and he says, Well, go invite as many as you can find. We got a lot of space and we don't got a lot of time. Just go out there and go into the roads and gather anyone that you can find, both bad and good, so that the wedding hall will be filled with guests. Well, this is a reminder of how Jesus now has sent out the gospel through all the world. All God wants to do is to bring people to his party. He wants everyone to hear. Well, then the king came in to look at the guests and he saw a man there who didn't have a wedding garment. See, in those days, when you go to a king's wedding feast, the king would give you a, like, like clothes to wear for the wedding. And undoubtedly, these clothes were better than the clothes you had. Because he was the king, and you know everybody else was kind of like peasants, right? It was like a gift, and also I, I you know, I guess he may, it makes for a themed wedding, right? Everybody's wearing like you know matching clothing or something, whatever. So there's a man there though who wasn't wearing the clothes that had been given him for the, for the wedding, and the king said, "Friend," the king said, "Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment?" And he was speechless. So the king said to the attendants, "Bind him hand and foot." and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, if this were just an ordinary party, that would seem like an overreaction. But Jesus is talking about eternal life. Yeah, Jesus is talking about eternal life, though. And what he's saying is this, that God wants everyone to come to his party. But the only way to get into his party is by the king's invitation and with the king's own garments. And that's talking about Jesus' righteousness. The Bible talks about how those who are in heaven are wearing white robes. In the book of Revelation, it says there's white robes. We have this one, uh, it's over there somewhere. We have a book. You know, we have those singing books where it has a hymn with pictures. And one of them, it has a picture in it of 
people in heaven, described in Revelation, is wearing white robes. And one of you, I don't remember which one, I think it was you when you were little, you saw that picture and you said something like, do I get a white robe too? <laughs> and the answer to that is yes. <laughs> the white robe, the Bible tells us, refers to Jesus' righteousness, his forgiveness, which cleanses us from all of our sins, which he gives to us freely. You know, in Isaiah, it says all our righteousness is like filthy rags, like dirty and bloody and stinky and gross. And if you were going to come to a party and that was the only clothes you had, and then the king said, hey, here, put this on instead, this beautiful white robe, you would be an idiot to choose your clothes over his. But he's picturing work righteousness that way. If we come to God and we say, you know, God, I don't need Jesus' righteousness and Jesus' forgiveness. I think I'm good on my own. I think I've been a good enough person. I think I'm better than so-and-so. Well, we're like some moron whose clothes are dirty and bloody and stinking and gross. And we choose that over a beautiful white robe. That's the point. God the Father in Jesus has given everything for our salvation. And so the last line of the parable is, Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called means that the gospel goes out to everybody. Remember, he sent it out to everyone. First to the Jews, those were the people who had been invited. He sent the word out to them long before, and then he invited them when the time had come. Many of them didn't want to come. Then he sent the word out to everyone throughout all the world. Many are called, but few are chosen. And that means those who actually believe, those who actually trust in Jesus' righteousness. And so... When we trust in Jesus' righteousness, we should give thanks to God that he has given us such faith. We should cling only to his forgiveness and to his grace, and uh, we should tell other people so that they can hear and believe too.